welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hi, we are so excited to be starting off this new sermon series, which is called... Uh, Empowered, Living Like Jesus Did. Yeah, we're really hoping that over the next few weeks, you'll become more and more confident in doing what Jesus did in our gathered spaces, and that you'll feel resourced, encouraged and inspired to grow the kingdom of God outside of the church walls. You know, Jesus calls us all to... Um, pick up our crosses and follow him. But what does that look like as we become disciples, both within the confines of the church and as we go out onto the streets and into the workplaces of our city? How can we do what he did in these places and bring the good news that he brought about the kingdom of God being at hand? Well, we want to start today with this question, who are we called to be? Now, This is a big question, and it follows on from some of the fundamental questions uh, that humans ask themselves. Who am I? Uh, Why am I here? And there's so much confusion uh, about around identity in our times. We look for our identity in all sorts of places. Our family, our skills, our jobs, our gender, our sexuality. And the trouble is that these are not the things that our identity is meant to be rooted in. Mm. So we can face into all sorts of problems when we do that. We are meant first and foremost to have our identity in Christ. And and what do you mean by that? Well, when we accept Christ into our lives and accept the freedom he has won for us, we take take on the identity he won for us. We are new creations. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And the Bible has an awful lot to say about that new create and what that create new creation looks like. Yeah, you know, before I had a real clear understanding of my identity in Christ, one of the things, one of the things I had my identity in was my job as a teacher. I was born again, but I hadn't taken on board how that new creation worked out properly. And a, a big part of how I saw myself was absolutely rooted in my job. But how do you know um, that your identity was rooted in that role? Well, because when I had a really, really good lesson where all these students were engaged and enjoying themselves and making progress, I thought, yay, I'm a success. I'm such a great person. And when I had a bad lesson where the students were off task and not learning, I thought, oh, why am I such a failure? I thought I was great, but clearly I'm terrible. You know, it was exhausting. I, uh, but once I knew that my identity came from Christ, I could be far more objective about my teaching. A bad day didn't make me a bad person. I didn't feel swung into these highs and lows because I was secure in being a child of God. My identity and purpose were rooted in him, not in the success and achievement of my teaching. Yeah, a lack of clear identity in Christ can mean that we look for our significant security and acceptability through other things. Mm -hmm. Success, power, achievement, affirmation from others, sex, money. These worldly values can trap us and steal the freedom Christ has won for us. And it's all too easy for us to fall into the patterns of the world and the identities our culture wants to stamp on us. You're acceptable because you have a respectable job. You're secure because you own your own home. You're significant because lots of people like your social media posts. Yeah, or the opposite. 
can be true. So like, you're a waste of space because you don't have a decent job. You've no security because you don't own your own home and you don't matter. You're so unimportant because so few people like your posts. And, and let's be honest, we've all listened to some of those lies at some point in our life. Perhaps some of you are still listening to some of those today. But you know what? We have good news for you. Yes. Uh, did you know that you are all chosen by God to join his royal family and to play a significant role in his plan to redeem this so obviously broken world and restore it and its inhabitants to its original beauty and purpose? This is where our true identity and purpose lie. Yeah, so today we want to look at just three of the many, many verses in the Bible that speak into our identities in Christ. They are, the, we are children of God, we are citizens of heaven, and we're a royal priesthood. Cap, did you know that you are a member of nobility? Absolutely, <laughs> so obvious. <laughs> You've been adopted into the family of the Most High King, we are children of God. Yeah. He is our father. Now, if someone is legally adopted by law, there's no difference between them and a sibling who is born naturally. Their right to inheritance is exactly the same as those born into the family. That adopted child has all the same rights as the begotten child. Now, Jesus is God's only begotten child, but we we are chosen children of God. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. This adoption means all that was available to Jesus is available to us. That is is our legal right. So let's look at a key moment in the affirmation of Jesus's identity when he got baptized. Matthew 3, 16 to 17 says, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I'm well pleased. God the Father confirms Jesus' identity as his son and expresses that he is really pleased with him. Yeah, and this is before his ministry has begun. That's right. His identity is not dependent on his achievements. It's dependent on who God says he is. But you know, the enemy is always trying to attack our identity and our purpose. Mm. Full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. God gives us identity. Satan tries to take it away. God says, this is my son. And Satan says, if you are the son of God. Mm. But look at how Jesus is tempted. He is tempted to misuse his power by turning the stones into bread. He's tempted to call on heaven's resources sim simply to test that they are at his disposal. He's tempted to take authority uh, over the earth through an easy route that doesn't involve the cross. Yeah, so power heavenly resources, authority. Yeah, that's right. Satan knew that Jesus was clear in his identity and full of the Holy Spirit, and that was trouble for him. When we are clear in our identity and full of the Holy Spirit, we are trouble for Satan and his plan to destroy this world. Now, we have power, authority, and the resources of heaven at our disposal. How come? Well, because, you see, Jesus chose the cross. Mm. That made um, all, of, all of that available to us. 
He cleared the way, paid the price, and we get the prize. Mm -hmm. We see Jesus send out his disciples in power and authority to do what he did. And we see in Acts, when Jesus has ascended into heaven, how the disciples and early church uh, continue to be active um, in the same power and authority. The same power and authority that Jesus had is available to us as adopted children of God. It is our legal right. Yeah, so we are adopted by God into his family. We're children of God, Jesus's brothers and sisters. We are also citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. This again confirms that all the resources of heaven are available to us. We have a special spiritual passport that says citizen of heaven. It gives us spiritual access and legal rights in the same way that our passport uh, allows us access, opens doors, allows us to open a bank account. So too does our heavenly passport open spiritual doors, access all areas, open up an account to heavenly resources. You know, here in our church, we have a whole range of people who have traveled to the UK from other nations. Nations like Hong Kong, India, Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa, Iran, Brazil, Costa Rica, France, so many, many countries. And as many of you will know, you can carry your culture with you as you travel to live in another country. You know, we love, don't we, to share our culture with each other through food and cultural celebrations like the, the Chinese New Year that we celebrated the other month and the Iranian New Year that we're celebrating next week. We're really keen to taste each other's food and find out what different cultures value. And there's a real delight in sharing what we bring. In the same way, we are called to carry a heavenly culture with us as we reside in this world. We are to bring heavenly food and drink uh, with us, and we're called to bring heavenly values of, of love and mercy and grace, justice and peace into this world. We're called to restore this world to the heavenly culture it was actually born into. Now, I know that none of you have physically been to heaven. Maybe you've tasted a part of it in worship or caught a glimpse of it in a vision or in the actions of a godly brother or sister in Christ. But you know, when we hang out with people from a certain culture, that culture starts to become part of who we are. I am of Jamaican heritage. Have I ever been to Jamaica? No. Does that mean I have no understanding of Jamaican culture? No. Um, but, but, but no, because I've been raised by those who were born there uh, and eaten food that comes from there. Joe, do you have Jamaican heritage? No, I do not. But OK, but what do you love for breakfast on Christmas Day? Well, ackee and saltfish with fried dumplings, which is actually the Jamaican national dish. I've never been there, but I've tasted the food and it's good. I've learned how to cook it so I can make it myself and not have to wait for someone else to cook it for me. I've been married into a family of Jamaican heritage, and it's changed how I eat. Exactly. We are adopted into Christ's family. Jesus calls us to hang out with him so his culture and values can rub off on us. We, we don't need uh, to pass an exam or, or pay a price for that citizenship. Jesus has done that for us. 
But as citizens of heaven, we need to learn to adopt that culture and bring it to rule and influence in the, in the world around us. Jesus is passionate about his kingdom. He has brought us into it and wants us to invite our friends, neighbours, work colleagues and family to come and enjoy it too. Mm. He wants us to bring love, compassion, healing, freedom, comfort, generosity, peace, grace, forgiveness, all of those heavenly fruits into the lives of those around us. Yeah. Now that's really good news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we are accepted, significant and secure children of God with power and authority. We are fully resourced citizens of heaven. And do you know what else we are? Uh, we're also a royal priesthood. Oh, yeah. So when John Wimber, who founded the Vin Vineyard Movement, said everyone gets to play, he was telling us that it's not just the pastors who get to do the kingdom stuff, it's everyone. We all have that same access to, to the kingdom and its resources because that has been gifted to us by Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. You hear that, Caps? Yeah. You royal nobility. We're all priests. Absolutely. A priest is called to stand in that place between man and God, and in doing so to serve God and to serve mankind. After all, we follow a servant king. Jesus made the way as the high priest. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20 says, We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So when it says behind the curtain, it's talking about the curtain that divided off the most holy place in the Jewish temple. It was only entered once a year by a priest chosen by lots and he had to make all sorts of sacrifices because he was going into the very presence of God and he needed to be to be holy enough because it was so dangerous they used to tie a rope around his ankle so that if he died they could drag him back out but you know when Jesus died that curtain in the temple ripped in two and now he calls us to follow him into that holy place, the inner shrine behind the curtain into the very presence of God, where we can stand holy and unblemished because he has paid the price for our unholiness and our imperfections. Therefore, it's all of our jobs to bring people to the Lord so they can come through him and join us in standing confidently before God. Okay, Cap, so do you have any non-Christian friends or relatives who would ask you to, you know, have a word with a man, the man upstairs if yeah. they've got something? Occasionally, yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, okay, yes, yeah. so why is it that they don't just petition him themselves? Why do they think they've got to come to you? What makes them think that your prayers are worth something more than their own? <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Or maybe it's just, maybe there's just a little bit of Jesus they see. Um, yeah. But Jesus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sunday school answers. So when people are in trouble, they do still look around for those who are priests, even if that's not what they might consciously call you. 
We're all priests because we all have access to the Holy of Holies through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it's part of the calling for, for all of us. We're all able to minister to each other. One person's prayers are not worth more than another's. And if you're not confident in that, there is going to be some training coming up in the next couple of months that will equip you in this area. So keep an eye out for that when we advertise it. Yeah. So we're, we're children of God, citizens, citizens of heaven, royal priests. This is where our, our identity is. But I understand that it doesn't always feel that way. No. We need to know who we are, who we're called to be, and we need to know how we ensure that we live from that identity. We could be uh, very sure about who we are in Christ, but unless we allow that identity to change the way that we interact with um, the Lord and with other, others, then it's like a label we stick onto something in a hope that it, that somehow will become that thing. If I stick a label on this lectern saying chair, it's not going to change unless I get out the power tools and do some creative sort of metal work. <laughs> okay, so how do we live out our identity then, Kat? Uh, firstly, we need to ensure that we hang out with the one who gives us that identity in the first place. The more we hang out with him, the more we read those truths about who we are, the more likely the thoughts in our head will become the motivation and desires of our hearts. We need to read the key passages about our identity uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to imprint them on our hearts. We then need to step out in faith. We need to practice walking in that identity. Now, for many people, that means taking hang risks. On, hang on. I don't like that word. I don't like taking risks because a risk implies like some sort of terrible consequence if you fail <laughs> okay well what about the word try yeah that's easier for me <laughs> okay. so, so so just try um if you're if you're not completely successful try again perseverance is a really important aspect of the outworking of our identities in christ but remember you're never working towards your identity you don't earn it you already have it okay you're working from that identity okay but what does that look like when we live out our identity in christ well it looks like doing the stuff that Jesus did. What, like healing the sick, multiplying food, walking on water, casting out demons? Absolutely. That is absolutely it, yeah. Really? That's available to, to all of us? That's what it means to be born again and have a new identity. You know, actually, we have seen some of that in our lives, haven't we, Kat? Yes. Um, only last week, some of us from church were out on the streets and we prayed for a man's back and he was instantly healed and he said that the pain went from a level 10 to a zero just so like cool. that so and then what happened well we told him that jesus loved him and asked him if he wanted to accept jesus into his heart and he said yes so well so that is the kind of stuff that jesus did right yeah yeah showing 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 the goodness of god's kingdom yeah you know he's still doing his work but now he chooses to do it through us so does that happen every time uh, you pray for somebody well no it does not but the more people I pray for, the more healing I see. You know, if I prayed for no one, I'm not going to see anything, am I? I know that Jesus wants people healed. I know that his power, authority and resources are available to all of us. And I know that God calls me into doing kingdom work because he calls all of us into doing kingdom work. I just want to be obedient because obedience is God's love language Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You know, he loved me first and gave his life for me. I don't have to step out to be loved by him. He loves me completely already enough to die for me. And that's the same for everybody. But because I love him, I choose to believe him 
and step out? You know, um, if every Christian in the world knew that and stepped out in that, the world would be a, a completely different place. And that's God's plan for the restoration of our world. There's no plan B. We are plan A. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder what Birmingham would look like if in every place where there was a Christian, in every street and workplace, those Christians really knew what their identity was, knew that they were adopted children of God, citizens of heaven, royal priests, and if they understood what power, authority and resources were available to them through that, and if they had the desire, the courage and the motivation to step out in that, you know, the city would be transformed. It absolutely would. You know, we're going to hear more about stepping out into uh, kingdom power and authority and how we can hear from God um, about doing that over the next few weeks. Yeah. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we just thank you so much for the identity that you have won for us, that you have made us new creations. Lord, I just really pray that each one of us this morning uh, or today will have that sense of that identity implanted in our hearts. Lord, help us to know our identity. I just really pray that we won't be listening to worldly values to shape us. Lord, would you highlight to us where we're doing that? Would you show us so that we can say no to those and turn around and take on the identity that you are speaking over us? And Lord, I just really pray that you will give us opportunities to step out into that identity and step out with that authority and the resources that are available and the power that you have given to us. Lord, would you give us courage and boldness to do that? And Lord, most of all, I pray that all of us will have such um, a love for you, Jesus, such a love for your kingdom and the values of kingdom that it would just overflow from us naturally, um, that it would overflow into those around us, that it would overflow into invitations to, to those who we love and care about to come into that and step into that and be a part of that. Lord, would you empower us today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.